Welcome. My name is Michael McDonnell. I am the cybersecurity librarian. Thank you for joining us on another Morrow and Mike live stream. Tonight, we are talking about mentorship. Morrow, how you doing? Pretty good yourselves. Hopefully everyone is doing well today. Uh, I'm doing great. I can see we have audience members, so that makes me even better. And um, <laughs> Uh, you know, what's interesting is we delayed the promotion of this live stream mm -hmm. like longer than any other. Mm -hmm. And in LinkedIn, we've actually had more interest um, and feedback and like, like thumbs up than um, even our most popular live streams. <laughs> and I'm going to say, and this is kind of like coming from inside me. There is a hunger in cybersecurity and IT to figure out how we get mentorship right. Yes. No, um, actually, this this is probably one of uh, three topics in my, in my mind that I really wanted to cover uh, inside of our live stream. In fact, I would say mentorship is probably the topic that was pretty instrumental in me kind of pushing you, Michael, to like, to do something about, you know, career and uh, just career advancement in general. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are still trying to figure out, you know, how they want to make themselves, um, I guess, available or how they need to proceed in their professional career, uh, as well as their personal uh, lives as well. So honestly, this is a great topic uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I mean, I will talk a little bit about myself and my experiences with me mentorship, but uh, tonight, oh, super excited. Got a guest that, you know, oh, yeah, she, she's she's just an awesome person, and uh, yeah, she's got a lot of experience in this arena. So if you like this video, please hit the like button. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, subscri subscribe, please. And of course, there's that little bell for notifications uh, when we n new videos are published, so please hit that if you'd like. Um, I'm really interested in hearing um, the stories you just mentioned. And... So I think in my life, uh, uh, I've had a few people, fortunately, that I've learned from, and I guess you could call them ad hoc mentors in, 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 in a way. And our guest today, Patty, actually, uh, is somewhat of a mentor, right? Like I've always found her advice uh, pretty awesome, pretty kick-ass if you ask me, because uh, it really runs contrary to you know, some of the uh, stigmas and things that hold people back. Uh, I know in my uh, professional career, during my career in general, I've actually uh, subscribed to a, um, a mentorship service. So it wasn't quite as good as having a one-on-one -on -one mentor, which I'm hoping that, you know, Patty will kind of get into the, uh, the nitty gritty on it and, uh, you know, some of the benefits of that. Uh, but in my experience, uh, you know, things like goal setting have been huge and instrumental. Things of, you know, just taking a leap and, you know, trying new things. Things, things that I, you know, 
feel like I would have probably held back on, like even my career today or my job today, I, I probably wouldn't really be in this position without having someone guide me and push me and say, hey, Moro, you know, take a chance. Right. Uh, so and with that, there is an anecdote that will follow that I will insert in here later on. So, oh, now <laughs> now I'm all curious. Um, OK, I'm going to tell an anecdote then. OK, as, as I do at the start of most of these shows, I like to sure. tell a little bit of a story. Sure. Um, and mine's different because you're talking about uh, trying to find a mentor. Mm -hmm. And um, um, my first experience or um, the first time I really started to think about mentorship was in the context of peer mentorship. Um, so I started my career back in 94 as a web developer. And I worked as a web developer and then became a sysadmin. Um, and there was a point where I had transitioned into my very first uh, full-time cybersecurity job. I was working for a major university. Um, and I had ambitions. Like, you, you don't go from being a web developer um, to a cybersecurity infrastructure person just on a whim. And so I got this job. I was super excited. But I ended up in an environment where I found that my, I had lots of coworkers, but they were not interested in security and maybe under-motivated. And I realized very quickly that my former arrogance as um, a hotshot web developer in the prime of the giant web boom and as a sysadmin at the time that full stack developer was a big thing, being a hotshot didn't carry me anymore. And I could not achieve my ambitious goals without a team. And then I felt resentful for a while. And then I realized, unless I um, uh, motivate all the people around me, unless I find some way to get them interested in what I'm doing, my goals will go unfulfilled. Um, what I've promised my boss will not occur. And I entered into the, uh, you know, I ended, ended up having this challenge. What will I do? And I realized, you know what, being resentful, um, thinking of myself as being smarter didn't work. What worked was being of service to all of my coworkers and figuring out what I had to offer them. And the more that I offered myself to help them with what they did, the more that we discovered there was an overlap and they were interested in contributing to what I was doing. And I suddenly realized, you know, during a Google one night, oh my God, there's a word for this and it's called peer mentorship. I was, I literally became a cybersecurity peer mentor without even knowing it. And I did this, and this is the story, is when I realized that people could be interested, but there had to be some sort of motivation and it couldn't just be me saying, you should be interested. This is important. Cybersecurity, how can you ignore it? What I did was one day I went and I said, all right, what I'm going to do so I'm going to go and grab the projector. And I took our big projector and I put it on a cart and I walked up and down the rows in between the cubicles slowly so that people noticed me at lunchtime. And people would say, hey, Michael, 
we don't have anyone booked in the instruction room. Where are you going with that? And I would say, oh, I'm just going to go into the um, presentation room and just watch some cybersecurity videos at lunch. I thought I'd use the projector. And on the first day, it was just me alone. And on the second day, there was a couple people who joined me and wanted to watch the videos. And on the third day, everyone's wondering why everyone's going into the presentation room at lunch to join Michael to watch cybersecurity videos. At the end of a month, literally, we ended up getting in crap because we didn't get back to our desks in time. And I had so many people asking me questions about cybersecurity or about the tools they saw and how it would apply to their job or about suddenly them realizing that their job, cybersecurity isn't a separate thing. Um, and then I realized I'd taken on the job of trying to, I had responsibilities as a peer mentor. And being of service to others never stopped being a thing for me. And at what did stop was me saying, I'm doing this for myself, which is where it started, and just saying it's good for our profession. Absolutely, that's a great that's a great story, actually, Michael. Um, I, and I think we're actually going to uh, del delve into that in a further live stream. So uh, no, that's uh, that's timely. So uh, I guess with that, then I guess we should introduce our guest. So uh, normally Michael introduces guests, but uh, Patty actually is a personal friend of mine whom I've known for well over 20 years now. Uh, so the history behind that is that uh, Patty and I actually, uh, we took the same, uh, so this is going back to 2001. We took the same, now it was a, uh, it was an official uh, curriculum from uh, a college uh, offering the uh, Windows 2000 MCSE certification. So we were fortunate enough to meet at that class and learn all the uh, crazy new things that were happening with uh, Windows 2000, so trust us. Uh, we were the very first and few that were actually certified on Windows 2000. And, you know, over the years, you, you can, and I'm sure Patty will mention it, uh, thank that course for giving us nightmare on uh, nightmares on uh, things like FISML roles and uh, how to seize master roles. So <laughs> anyways, uh, so with that, I'm going to introduce Patty and I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief, uh, you know, intro. So aside from, you know, knowing Windows and things of that nature, she started off her career as a sysadmin. Uh, and, you know, she really worked her way up the ladder, so to speak, in a very short period of time. Uh, as she'll probably even allude to, she knows SCADA and ICS systems quite well, uh, which in itself is a very rare skill, uh, let alone the fact, and this is going a little bit sexist, but for a female to know that, that that's even crazier in my mind, because I only know like maybe one or two other uh, females that know that uh at any level of, of uh, intricacy. But uh, what makes Patty cool is that, you know, she kind of put that aside uh, and then, you know, took on a, a different role. And, you know, aside from the management roles that she she, she took, she decided that, you know, uh, there was a gap that, uh, you know, there's, there was some uh, leadership, there was some um, mentorship gaps in uh, some of the things that she was experiencing. So, you know, she, she did what she always does, uh, which is <laughs> take the giant leap and, you know, uh, start, you know, trailblazing. So uh, for many of you, uh, yeah, if you ever get the chance to meet Patty in person, you'll realize, you know, she's a super genuine person, but at the same time, you know, she knows how to kick ass. So uh, with that, <laughs> uh, let's see this, this way, this way, this is my friend Patty. So. Well, thank you very much. Um, kicking ass. Yes, I've done that once or twice. 
maybe not in the same way. Well, no, but you know what I, you know, honestly, uh, like the one thing I've learned from you is that, you know, uh, you sometimes have to take risks and you have to overcome fears. Uh, otherwise you're never going to progress. And, you know, I think that's something that you as well teach as a mentor or instill and guide people. You know, understand. that's what you so, left out is you talked about Patty's amazing history, but you haven't actually said what she does now. Oh, right, right. Well, you know what? Right. I'm going to leave that towards the end because I'm going to allow her to plug her company. She, she's got two, I believe it's two companies right now that are kind of uh, in that realm. So I, I kind of wanted to leave that as a, uh, you know, as a last step, so to speak, and then just kind of let her, uh, let her, uh, I guess, kind of describe what she's done, you know, previously and more and more to the fact that, you know, that'll tie into the topic tonight. So with that, this is Patty. Um, please say oh, hi, hello. Patty. Thank you for <laughs> such a nice welcome. <laughs> no, no, we appreciate you uh, taking your time to uh, co come, come on our show. So as I alluded to and uh, mentioned uh, many times, right? So Patty's got a very extensive history. Uh, I think in the last 10 years, 10 years or so, you've been doing uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of work towards mentoring executives, I believe, at uh, large oil and gas companies. Yes, um, and, and focusing on leading change, right? Um, especially for digital transformation, because um, there aren't a lot of people who manage the people side and understand the technology side at the same time. And so that's that's really where my focus has been. See, like I was saying, you're like a unicorn. You're just like a trailblazer, right? So <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, okay, so like, you know, let's just get started with the topic then. So I guess the first question is, you know, really, what is a mentor? Uh, for those people in the audience that, you know, have never had a mentor, I guess, you know, they're they're looking to find out, you know, what is a mentor? Like, what, what can a mentor do for them, essentially? Right. So I think uh, I think mentorship overall is mm -hmm. is more about uh, being. Well, let's talk about what it is and what it isn't. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> I think if we if I combine the two, so a mentor sure. is a career navigator. What it's not is a task manager. So it's not somebody who's going to tell you how to do your job or or how to do it well. And if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for the wrong person. Um, mentor is a sounding board for ideas and direction, not a problem solver, certainly not a therapist. A mentor is a work and career confidant, never a gossip. So they're not there so that you can come to them to gossip or they share what you have. It, it, they're definitely a confidant or an advocate and champion for you, um, but not necessarily a networking tool. So if you're looking for a mentor, it's to grow and reach a goal, not to uh, climb a ladder um, of social or career um, advancements. It, it's more about growth. Okay. Okay. For sure. But now with that being said though, let, let's say that, you know, I, you know, Moro, it's like, okay, well, I'm looking to become an IT manager, but I just don't know where to start with like a mentor kind of help guide me or, you know, set my goals to, uh, you know, maybe achieving that, or maybe they could give me some advice uh, on, you know, where I need to start. Cause maybe I just don't know. It's like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been a sysadmin for 30 years. I don't know the first thing about managing people. What should, what should I do? Would that be a fair uh, assessment? 
Absolutely. There's, um, there's a, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why you would want to mentor, but they all have to be really pinned down to your goals. So if there's a direction you want to head, you have to pin down your goals. Otherwise, you're wasting people's time. Um, figure out what you want to be or who you want to be. And some people will have lots of mentors. Some people okay. will have a mentor in their personal life and a mentor in their work career life and a mentor in their uh, interest life. Let's say you're a musician on the side and you're, you know, you, you need a mentor for that. Um, so mentors help by giving industry knowledge. They can help with career direction. They'll break down some of the risks and constraints that, that you're going to walk into in an area that, you know, you're making a decision and you have an idea in your head, but because you haven't experienced it, you don't have really the knowledge to know what those risks you're going to come up against are, right? Sure, um, sure, sure. I yeah. mean, and, and we were kind of talking about, you know, life coaches and, you know, some some kids that are like 26 and it's like, okay, yeah, what what, what kind of a life coach are you when you're 26? <laughs> How but, much life uh, have you lived? Well, <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Maybe you just need to go out there and travel or, you know, pick yeah. up an instrument and learn it. Um, I mean, but, joking aside though, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. There are some people too that need an accountability coach. They, you know, they're... There are a lot of people, especially early on in your career, your confidence is a little low and, and you think you've got an idea of where you should be going. But then what you end up doing is you end up pleasing others first before you do something for yourself. And, and really, a, a, a mentor can really help you with that by saying, listen, I'm going to be your accountability coach and I'm going to help you make sure that the tasks you say you want to do toward those goals are, in fact, what you want to do. Let's line up some metrics and, and let's look at skills and value experience, right? What we can offer each other in terms of helping you grow, because that's going to help me grow as well. Sure, sure. Okay. So then, like, okay, so you've kind of explained, you know, what what, what the mentor does uh, and, and, and touched on a little bit about what a mentor doesn't really do, like in the sense of they're not there to help you network. They're not there to, you know, fix problems for you per se. Um, but, you know, I, I guess from a mentor standpoint, though, like, uh, you know, what, what drives you to be a mentor? For example, Patty, what, why did you decide to become a mentor? Uh, I mean, I know that, you know, some of it had to do with, you know, you, you identified a, a gap and you felt that, you know, you could help uh, kind of bridge that uh, further. But, I mean, aside from those kinds of things, is there anything else that, you know, kind of lent you to pushing you towards that whole idea of I want to be a mentor, I want to help people that way? Well, you touched on one. And that is women in technology. And so the, one of the very first mentorships I ever did was a young girl in the company I was working in came to me and said, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you got here. This is not an environment that allows women, you know, you, if I look above you, there is no female, right? There's, um, there was one actually. Um, but there, it's kind of started there, my interest in mentorship. And I said, sure, I'd love to be your mentor, not knowing anything about what mentorship meant. And now that I've done it a few times and I've had a number of mentors, I've had a woman in energy mentor. I've had someone in a couple of my organizational change uh, groups as mentees. Um, I've mentored someone in um, different types of IT you know, organizations. Um, and really, it's deciding what I want to give back. As a mentor, it's, you know, you touched on it, Michael, and you talked about, um, you know, serving the group and really making a difference with the people around you. It's decide what you want to give. And then after you do that, you need to find 
kind of a match, right? So there's three areas where you can find mentorship. One of them is your company might have one set up where they have a mentorship program. Another one is industry and associations that you belong to. And especially with cybersecurity, it's really important because everything's moving so fast. Um, the ability to keep up in cybersecurity feels like a young person's game, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's it really, true. That's very true. Yeah, it just, it, because, because you have to be fast, you have to be on top of it, you have to be constantly learning. And uh, so associations and industry groups, some of them have some great mentorship programs that you can join on. But for me, my first mentor was somebody that, um, I chose. I, it was someone I had in mind. Someone in, I admired how they worked. And those personal mentorships tend to mean a little bit more than the formal structured ones. But that doesn't mean you don't structure a mentorship program. Sure. Yeah. When they're unstructured, they it kind of gets loosey goosey and everything falls off to the side. But, yeah, and I, and like I think uh, when I when I was kind of doing the intro, uh, I alluded to the fact that you know uh, setting goals are pretty important. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you you've got to measure it somehow. So yeah. um, is, is that something that um, I guess I'm kind of curious to know what you do like in this day and age with, with some of that and uh, how you apply those principles to, uh, I guess, some of those people you're mentoring. Would you be able to share some of that? The goal setting is really important because okay. I can't I can't figure out a way or to assess how I can lead you where you wish to go um, or, or even know if we have the right rapport or interest or drive or energy as a mentor-mentee relationship, unless I understand what those goals are and what you're willing to do to get to them. So, um, you know, I can I can say, hey, I'd like to mentor you, but typically it's somebody who comes to the mentor and says, hey, sure, sure. I really like, you know, I, you know, and they're a little shy about it and it's a tough ask, right? Well, it's absolutely, a tough oh, ask. Absolutely, you're asking oh. for somebody you admire to give up some of their time for you. Sure. And uh, send, so if you come prepared as a mentee that's my advice would be define what you're looking for from a mentor set your goals like you know figure out who can help with that um tell your mentor your choice why did why them give them an understanding of why you think they'd be a good mentor to reach your goals and then it's the rest is your job you set the agenda for every meeting you have to make the meetings. You have to have the conversation about um, this is what I want to achieve. Let's set some metrics to make this worthwhile. Because a mentor is typically somebody who's giving up time that's pretty valuable. And you, you can lose a lot of things in life and replace them, but you can never replace your time. And so that's a pretty valuable little nugget they're, they're handing you of themselves. Um, so being responsible as a mentee to come prepared and own your actions and, and stuff, that's, that's a really big piece of being a mentee. Um, being a mentor means you have to be transparent about your time and commitment, uh, figure out you know, uh, what kind of expectations you want from them. So I would expect you have to be open to the feedback. So drop your ego, you know. So Mike, when you were first in that position and you told that story and you had asked me to be a mentor, I'd have been a little hard on you. I, I would have truly said, if you're not open to my feedback and you're going to get all up in protecting your, your groundwork from where you are, that's your ego and I need you to drop that. Otherwise, I'm out. 
you know, and being really honest that way and laying those expectations is pretty clear. And, uh, and then don't take advantage of it. You know, uh, really, if you come prepared with an agenda and you're, and you say today, I want to talk about this, this is confusing me. Um, I had a different plan. And this week, I got sidelined with something different. Are you open to talking about that? Um, and, and giving the giving the mentor an opportunity to really help you exactly where you need help. Okay, so this brings up a, a really interesting point. Um, and at the risk of being a little bit more vulnerable than I want to on the live stream. Um, when I started to have experiences in mentoring peers, um, I started to have some doubts and saying, well, I've never had a mentor. And I started to think back of all the people in my career who um, I did benefit from their experience. And I didn't perceive them as being mentors. But then I started to question, why don't I perceive them that way? Why did that relationship not develop? And then I had to take a deep look at myself and say, am I uncoachable? And um, more recently, um, this is actually a source of anxiety for me, realizing that maybe the reason why I don't have mentors is because it's true. And I, I realize that this is actually part of the, the discourse around mentorship is coachability. From your perspective, what does coachability mean? How important is it? It's, uh, it's your career launcher. If, if you are willing to admit that you don't have any of the answers, and even as a mentor, you know, even in the position I'm at, everything I'm doing, every time I take on a new venture, every time I'm new at something, I'm going to be that person who's at the bottom of the ladder. Um, and and if, you, if you think of it in terms of a ladder, there are people on every rung. And sometimes you're in the middle, sometimes you're at the top, and sometimes you're down at the bottom. And when you're mentoring someone else because you've got some stuff going on that, that you've been through that is helpful, that's great. But in another part of your life, probably halfway down that ladder, and in some pieces, especially if you're doing something new, you're right at the bottom. And that's what I meant by the flexibility of having multiple mentors in your life. There are, um, there are responsibilities you have to take on a growth mindset, to ask questions, to challenge your bias, to challenge your own intelligence, to challenge your own. And it isn't easy because our ego is designed and set and actually put in place to keep us where we are because it protects us from anything new. And so we let it get in the way. We let it jump in. It's not that the ego is necessarily a bad thing. It probably has saved us from a lot of bad crap in our lives. But, but the ego also keeps us where we are. So as soon as we begin thinking, wow, you know, I've got this going on, or we allow arrogance to take over a little bit, that's exactly when we realize we have to slide back down the ladder and do some learning, right? Um, so as a mentee, that's your responsibility. As a mentor, your responsibility is to admit that you don't have all the answers, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The very first time I, um, not the very first time, the second time I took on a mentee, I, uh, I had run across a neat little book, a nifty book by Steve Barber, and eventually got to know him a little bit and we're friends. Um, 
uh, online. Haven't still haven't met him in person. One day we'll <laughs> open up the the conference world again. But greater than yourself. So it's a wonderful book. Uh, it's just a little novelette about two people and how they um, work through the mentee-mentor relationship. But because it's written in novel form, it gives you a really good idea of the emotional dynamics that happen between the two while it gives the message of mentorship. Um, but the idea for a mentor, someone who feels like they have something to offer, is that your goal is to make the other person greater than yourself. So what can you do to prop them up so that they're not tripping over the same challenges and roadblocks and what have you? Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds great. So I, I guess with that in mind, though, uh, kind of going a little bit backwards to what uh, Michael alluded to, are there, are, are there those instances where you just said, okay, sorry, you're just not coachable and I can't, I can't work with you? Um, so it's not that someone isn't coachable. Okay. Someone might not be in alignment with the kind of drive, energy, or abilities that you're looking for in a mentee. Okay. I've had one mentee that absolutely said yes, yes, yes. But when it came time to doing the action and it came time to doing the work and it came time, she just wasn't <laughs> up to the game. She just wasn't okay. there. She, I think it was a confidence thing, but the rapport began breaking down. And I think as a mentor, you're you're really responsible for not doing the pleaser thing and not saying you're doing great. You're do you have to be so honest and transparent that you know what? I think you need to find someone else that can get you to the step where you feel confident enough. But I don't think it's me. Um, there are people who are who don't believe that. How do I put this nicely? That <laughs> <laughs> who really truly believe that they're doing all the right things mm -hmm. and put up that wall around them that say, mm -hmm. yeah, no, 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 I'm not interested in hearing what you have to say. I did the right thing and I did. So when you challenge them, they put that up. And that's maybe what you're talking about with coachability. Um, everyone's coachable. It's just that not everyone in the world can um, can get through to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what you need is somebody that that person admires, someone they could have a rapport with that maybe can uh, peel the onion away a little bit. OK, yeah. this uh, fits a, a comment from one of our people in the audience who's a coach and says, you know what, um, uh, if you're if you're looking for a mentor, coachable people take advantage of the fact that they get in a room and they realize, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I'm the worst person in the room. This is great. There's an opportunity here to learn. <laughs> and that's that's coachability. <laughs> um, I think the goal, too, is to figure out um, is to figure out when you're doing something new or you have a goal and you want to get somewhere is to look around the room and say, who, who's got it? Who's got the smarts that I need to know um, where I don't have to posture and pretend I've got it right? Like what? there is a trust thing in admitting that that you can do that. And it's weird because people are often afraid to do that. People are afraid to break out. Um, in fact, I was talking to a coach this week who said they had um, a person who had a learning issue, uh, learning that they called a disability. I disagree that it was a disability for them, but to them it was, and, it, and they've been hiding it at work. And so they'd been going around things and she found he was getting uncoachable because he just refused to be vulnerable enough to trust his team. And I think when that happens, your, um, your wall that you put up 
it makes you uncoachable. And I think there's something we have to recognize as individuals is when we let fear or we let something stand up right in front of us, we can't walk through the door to the next place. It's just not mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. So um, actually, uh, this is good timing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our friend Jared there in the crowd, uh, he asks, uh, is there a good way to start a mem mentorship program within an organization? Uh, and I think I think this is a good question to ask because I think, I, I mean, I've personally been in situations where I I'm in an organization and they just force mentorship on me. Like they, they're like, well, what's your career path? I'm like, well, maybe I'm just happy <laughs> doing what I want. This is what I want to do in five years. So kind of like buzz off, right? Uh, I guess with that being said, you know, it's like you said, you know, you have to be transparent. You you have to be willing to be mentored as much as, you know, that person that, you know, agrees to be your mentor wants to mentor you in, in return. Right. Yeah. So I guess, you know, uh, I have no idea how to answer this question, but Patty, well, <laughs> did you have any ideas? Let's start with the challenges of mentorship within organizations. So the mentorship mm -hmm. challenges typically are um, it's unstructured. So two people get shoved in a room, like you said, where, where it's like, oh, thanks. Um, they don't know what to talk about. Uh, there is no preconceived idea of matchability and rapport. Um, they don't have any clear understanding of how to measure the engagement and there's a lack of training for the mentee and the mentor. So when that happens, it's typically not successful and those ones fall down all the time. If an organization wants to set up a mentorship program, it should be structured. It needs to be structured because there should be training involved that teaches a mentor how to be a mentor and someone how to be a mentee. What are your responsibilities here in this kind of relationship? Oftentimes it's, um, it's the ability to say, hey, who in the organization do you admire based on the career path you think you might have that you would like to mentor? And I can reach out to them and see if they're open to be able to commit that time. And that opens the door to the mentee saying, I think I can get what I need from here. Now, if the other person just isn't able to commit or doesn't have the capacity to be able to offer that time, maybe they've got four other mentees that have already <laughs> asked them because they're super True. awesome, then, then go back to, to the organization. But starting one in your Hubble. So I talk a lot with my clients and, and when we're working in executive sessions, I will sit down and say, hey, you know, you have to recognize that there are pockets of happiness in your organization. And in those pockets of happiness, they're going to start doing some of their own things. Don't muck with that. Right. And so if you find yourself in a in a pocket of happiness where things are pretty good in your in your little team and there's someone in there that could be a mentor, you might want to start um, an informal formal mentorship program within your pocket of happiness or within your department okay. and then track it make sure it's measurable measurable you know results make sure that you're actually doing it and i would start with just a few sessions just start with an initial session that lays out expectations responsibilities time commitment why that kind of thing, and then move on to say no more than six weeks, and then let's jump in and reinvestigate whether this was worth both our time. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So I guess uh, a, a little bit of a corollary to to what Rich, uh, sorry, uh, Jared had asked was, uh, you know, how, how would you encourage those people? And I guess, I guess you kind of pointed at it, right? Um, in some ways, you got to make it available, but at the same time, you know, those people have to be receptive to that that whole process, right, and building the structure. So. Um, Sorry, I, I'm just, just wondering if you have anything to add to that. 
I think so. There's uh, so I'm just looking at Jared's question here. Are there good methods for encouraging engagement? Um, you know, it, some of it's culture. Some of it is who owns it. So who owns the mentorship world? If it's HR and HR and IT don't like each other, then you're hosed. If it's, you know what I mean? Like it, it just depends yeah. on the culture that you're sitting in. Sure, um, sure. But I think a commitment by the executive staff through to the directorship needs okay. to be required saying, if we are a company that is going to really be successful, our biggest success is growing from within. And if we grow from within, our best way to get people to, to come along on that ride with us is to be able to mentor them properly. Let's start with mentorship and then move into the track that is career. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I'm just looking through the questions as well. So <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, would a newcomer to an organization present? Oh, okay. So yeah, let's, let's put this one up from uh, Andre. Oops, <laughs> I think we're both clicking at the same time, right, Michael? <laughs> I'll let okay. you try. Okay, so uh, to, to call, well, you know what? I, I will stop the clicking. I will leave it to you, and I'll just read the question. So to compliment Jared's question, how would a newcomer to an organization uh, present the case for formal mentorship where it currently doesn't exist? So I, I, I think probably, you kind of, yeah. Yeah, I probably talk to my direct, um, direct boss, right, and mm. say, Hey, I'm thinking of this. Is this there any way that you and I can meet with your boss and see if we can't take this up the line and talk about expectations? But I'm new here. I'm loving it. I think there's some really cool stuff that I'd like to do. I didn't know before I got in here that I, I there were three different areas that of interest to me. Is there any way we could formalize this so that I can, you know, I'm happy to be your test pilot and yeah. let's make it a, you know, structured event, but I'd love to try that and see what your boss says. And, but like I said, it's cultural and it depends on who you report to. Not everyone's open to it. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny you mentioned cultural. Uh, so like anecdote number one, I'm going to use. Uh, so <laughs> most of you know, I'm, uh, well, most of you know, I have Japanese parents, so I, I know Japanese culture fairly decently, uh, especially for being a Canadian guy. Right. But, uh, you know, there, there is something inside of Japanese culture that uh, still has this whole, you know, idea of, you know, a mentor slash mentee, or if you want to call it, uh, you know, kind of like a master slash apprentice. Uh, in fact, uh, it permeates all the way down to even like uh, high school and junior high, where, you know, there's this term called senpai and uh, kohai. And the idea of a senpai is like, if you want to call it from a school standpoint, an upperclassman and the, per, you know, that senpai's duty, whether female or male is to kind of look out and coach that, you know, um, individual that might be, you know, just, you know, the grade below or, you know, just brand new to the school. So the idea is that, yeah, you know, uh, you, you help guide them so that, you know, they kind of avoid the pitfalls, but then, you know, there's even kind of another level to that, that, you know, when they get in trouble, they can reach out to the senpai and the senpai will even sometimes take on some of that blame and help that, that Kohai, right. Uh, kind of right the wrong, so to speak. Right. So I know that that's not quite the uh, mentor relationship, but I, uh, from a cultural standpoint, I, what I'm trying to get at is the fact that, you know, I think at, you know, some point in time, North America kind of ditched that model, even though it used to exist. Right. Cause I mean, when you look at jobs from back in the day, it was, you know, either, you know, father, son passing along the skill or you had to like you had to apprentice underneath uh, someone with experience. I mean, we still kind of have that, like in auto mechanics and things of that nature. But it just doesn't 
permeate to the professional world, right? And if you want to call, you know, cybersecurity and IT professional, we just don't have it. And it's just kind of very bizarre. Like, I, I feel like it's, it's almost a stigma. It's we... a, yeah, it's actually what's missing. It's actually what, what's missing. If you've ever traveled Europe and you've looked at any of the amazing mm -hmm. um, architecture and art, that was all done through the craftsmanship of a, of a mentor-mentee or apprenticeship type model. Mm -hmm. If you look at um, not that long ago, even 30 years ago, they, you know, hair industry was apprenticeship, mm -hmm. had an apprenticeship side mm -hmm. to it. it, you know, all of the different um, opportunities we have to grow faster in an area where technology is advancing exponentially is going to be benefited by that kind of a mentor-mentee model because right now there is no possible way we can keep up with the learning unless we're experiencing alongside someone who has the experience. We just, it's traveling way too fast. Um, and so I'd love to see more of that. And that's why it was kind of when you said, do you want to talk about mentorship? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, because our industry needs it desperately. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things in our industry that need it. Uh, you know, for example, uh, maybe even union, unionization wouldn't be necessarily bad because I feel like we get treated like the heel a lot of times. <laughs> I'm not saying we should unionize. I'm just saying we should consider it. Uh, but there is that stigma that, you know, oh, it's only for blue collar workers. And I'm like, you know what, we really need to get rid of that wall and start thinking more yeah. intelligently about how we protect our profession. Well, so. and, and we we have grown up in IT with this binary mindset, right? So mm -hmm. we've got our ones and zeros and our ones are in the executive chair and our tech guys are in a basement drinking Coke, you know, stacking Coke cans on their decks. That is still in people's minds. People still see IT as this functional support group that throws a disc in a box every once in a while. Mm -hmm. We have a huge, huge gap between the recognition of effort and complexity that IT has become and the mm -hmm. fact that it is now an all business strategy enabler. And so that huge gap could be filled through that crossing of, of, of that boundary between where a person wants to be and where they are now because you're sharing information both ways. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, honestly, you, 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 you know, you, you said it just a few minutes ago, but uh, you know, at the breakneck speed that we're running at, it's really hard to be like a self-made man. I mean, even startups today, I, I would, you know, there, there's a reason why there's venture capitalists, right? Venture capitalists are there to help mentor those people that might, you know, be really smart at programming or designing a, you know, designing a system or any of that, but they are absolutely not business savvy. So they need venture capitalists to help present themselves to understand that whole business model. Right. And well, really, sorry, go there ahead. is nothing, there is nothing better though, than um, recognizing and understanding that you can't hide in your technology anymore. You mm -hmm. have your value add has to have those people skills and those relationship skills. Mm -hmm. And if you get, have an opportunity to mentor within an organization, you're going to learn those a lot faster than you are if you still stay in your, in your, little IT area never get out of it, right? And you just took that, away my safety blanket. <laughs> I depended on hiding behind my IT. <laughs> it's so easy. I love my screen. Don't don't get in my way. Yeah. It is. No. I do it. I mean I do it as a business person. I avoid 
I avoid risking and putting myself out there and I hide behind my screen and I sound really important because I blurt something out on social media that sounds, you know, maybe interesting to 13 people. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I get on with my day and do my work, right? But really, it is the relationships that are going to change and make make uh, tech, the technology group better understood. Yep. By the your feedback on two phenomena that are becoming more common in cybersecurity. And the first one is um, in cybersecurity hiring, it's becoming fairly common that in the job description, if, if it's for a job, if, if it's a job for a subject matter expert of some kind and in cybersecurity who isn't, um, they'll literally say you have to be able to mentor junior members on the team. And that becomes a job description of anyone who's got the technical skills. Um, and it becomes more not, it's not just in the job descriptions for team leads and managers, but for anyone who's an expert. And then the second phenomenon, a um, little less common, uh, but um, I see it happening in consultancies, is as soon as you start, you'll be assigned a coach. Um, to help you, a success coach to help you in the company. Um, have you have you seen those before? And do you have a reaction to either of those approaches? Okay, so let's start with the with the job description. If that's in a job description, you walk into a company and you're getting interviewed for that, and and it says right there that you have the ability or the relationship skills to be able to mentor others. You have to ask them, do you have a formal program? Who's in charge of that? Let me know. Um, because that's where I want to start, day one. I want to know what that means for this organization. Um, I think it's a good idea if the organization has a structured approach to it that makes sense. Um, if it doesn't, and it's just putting it in the job description, you'll find out that day. Um, that is somebody threw out a job description without the, the, the knowledge of what that meant for the organization and the, and the impact that would have on you as an individual. Um, along with that, and I, here's where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say that they're, they're asking for technology that's only been here for two years, but you have to have 10 years experience on it. But that's another what happens too. Yeah, that's another show. Don't get me started. The other point, though, that you <laughs> no, other... I, I laugh. I laugh because you know what? Honestly, when we graduated after after getting our MCSEs, we would we would literally you know scope out you know job positions and it says MCSE must have had you know Active Directory experience for like five years. And I'm like, I know, and it was like a year old. <laughs> 2001. How how do yeah. I have five years of experience at Active Directory? You guys are like out to lunch. I know. Right? So funny. Um, the second point. The second point you made. Uh, I, I have been on calls in the last six weeks with um, or webinars where I'm, I'm involved in a, a large coaching program and uh, all of the big guys have someone who is hired specifically in charge of coaching. We're talking Google, we're talking Microsoft, we're talking um, all the big players, right? Amazon. They have an internal formal coaching program. They hire coaches and consultants to come in and work within their program, and they are really tight on it. They have it down. They've got it mastered. They have figured out that in the technology industry, without a coach helping you manage the complexity of both the uh, technical acceleration combined with the human dynamic complexity, um, 
you're going to be finding yourself lost at the speed of light within their organization. And so I would encourage every organization to recognize two things. One, they are already a digital business, whether they know it or not. They're, everything they're using is a combination of hybrid cloud and, and uh, on-prem enterprise software. Um, number two, they're connected to everyone in the world. So they may have thousands of vendors that are also digital, which makes their company digital and combined and connected, which means that the speed of light around how that stuff is moving in combination and sometimes in, in battle with the human dynamic and drama that happens within an organization based on just us being people um, is hard to navigate and they recognize that. And so they put a structure in place to make that happen. I think every organization that is uh, larger than 500 people should have that going. Anyone that is smaller should at least be doing it through their HR department. I've, this, this resonates with me because um, I've seen in, in cybersecurity way too many situations where um, there's the explicit expectation of a manager that they're going to coach and mentor their staff. But cybersecurity is such a busy field with so many changes, things coming out of left field, incidents come up, priorities change hour to hour. And not only that, but you're dealing with an area where no one can know all the things they need to know to do the job. Um, as soon as you learn a skill, you have to relearn a skill. And so the notion that someone could take on management responsibilities and still have time left over to meaningfully coach <laughs> their staff, it's, and, and it's I've, unrealistic it's, and unfair. In the, in the last year, I've started to think that needs to be in any cybersecurity team. When you get beyond like nine or 10 people, you, you would benefit from having someone whose explicit job is to oversee the development of it. And what you just said about the human drama. Okay, folks in cybersecurity, <laughs> you tell me that you don't go a day without some form of drama. Uh, <laughs> I have data. generated it. Maybe you experienced it. But part of that coach's job is to help you reduce your bias, be emotionally intelligent, and work past the drama so that then you can actually learn the things you need to learn. It's hard to be accountable. Um, and, and accountability is like the top of the list for cybersecurity. I mean, that's your, that's your world, right? Transparency and, and accountability. Uh, you have, um, you have a business that is asking you to apply at speed that is unreasonable to your capacity and capability. And <laughs> really, and then you have an environment full of uh, the worst cybersecurity risk in the world, which are humans. And then you have uh, on layered on top of that, an external environment that is pounding you daily with something new. And so the combination of those three make it absolutely impossible not to have uh, difficulty navigating and managing it. And um, so I'm gonna throw some data at you. There is a company called uh, Reality Based Leadership. They got together with Futures Company and they did some research on human drama. 
and the average employee, the average employee has 2.6 hours of emotional drama a day. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. I've had that conversation so many times in the last few months about how much drama are we dealing with in a day that's just the drama. It's not actually yeah. the work or the hard part. It's the, oh. Uh, and I was yeah. going to say, you know what? That, that, that was probably even compounded further before COVID. So like for those of you that were in the office and having to you know deal with face-to-face -face communication, I guarantee drama was way more than 2.6 hours. I know like when I was out, out, you know, working in a private company, for example, it's just, probably half the day was dealing with drama like oh who got you know who got fired why did they got fired and all of a sudden it's like oh hey, there goes my productivity for the day so you know i i really only did like maybe three hours of productivity then the uh, next five are like dealing with drama and and things of that nature right so well, let's the, think about the reality-based leadership drama, right let's oh sorry no, go ahead. You cut out for a minute, so I thought you were done. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the causes of drama. Inauthentic leadership is, is probably top of the board. Lack of consistency in problem solving, right? So that's another one. Persistent confusion about doing the right things right. What's right? You know, and that's, that's often cultural. Uh, lack of transparency. Increased yep. division between departments and roles, um, culture and com complicity. So if I'm complicit in somebody else's stuff, it just creates more drama. Um, and the wrong solutions, like not getting to the root of what the problem is and being unwilling to accept we're wrong. That's 2.6 hours of emotional baggage that is used up every day because humans are being human. And, and to navigate that, sometimes we just have to have a mentor or a coach or someone that we can talk that through and say, hey, how do we navigate that? And hopefully it's somebody that says, let's talk about your part in that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's never my fault. It's never my problem. Right? Yeah. Because if you're venting, it's <laughs> mm -hmm. because you're pointing your fingers out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Michael, you're on mute. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I'm multitasking. I'm, <laughs> like everything you just said is um, related to something we've done here on these live streams or problems that I'm trying to deal with. Uh, the librarian in me demands that I ask, uh, when you said reality-based leadership, are you referring to Cy Wakeman? Yes, I love Cy Wakeman. No ego. <laughs> okay, there we go. Just wanted to to yeah. to bring up books because you know librarian. Yeah, <laughs> I love Cy Wakeman. She's fantastic. In fact, a lot of my techniques and a lot of the things I say come from her, uh, especially around accountability. Yeah, great. Book. Um, this also reminds me of um, a book I read that is the retelling of a. story story about a Quebec company and it had a profound effect about me dealing with my own drama and um, see if I can find it. Ah, yes, there it is. Um, let me just bring this up on the screen. It was called 
Leadership and Self-Deception. Oh, nice. I have not read that. Now I'm, it's on my list. It was a, it, it's the story of um, a manager who had been successful through his career and went to a, a manufacturing company that had a lot of problems. And there were people with performance problems, people with behavior problems. There was conflict amongst the leadership team. And um, the first thing this very successful leader found out is they were fooling themselves. And when they were managing their employees, they kept deciding that the drama was someone else. Mm -hmm. And um, through the story, um, the authors lead you to realize um, that uh, sometimes you're stuck in a box based on your own perceptions. And until you can reduce your own internal bias and give people honest feedback that is about them and the performance of the team, you're just going to be stuck creating more drama. And if you hear yourself say, oh, the drama, you're in it. <laughs> yeah, you're that's in right. It. Accountable that's somewhere. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, oh my goodness. That book was like, you know, you have those self reflective moments where your heart skips a beat and you suddenly feel fear because of the self realization. This was one of those for me where it's like, oh my God, please don't make me realize that I suck. <laughs> so that was me. So I'm being totally, totally open here with uh, how I was dealing with my team earlier this year. It was a tough year. And it wasn't until I, I finally had to say, we have to stop meeting because I didn't like myself. I didn't like who I was being in the meeting because I found that I was the one bringing drama. I was, I was playing victim that, oh, this year, oh, you have no idea the weight of what we're going through. Oh, the, and, and needed to take a step back. And sometimes we need to take a step back to step forward and recognize that um, oftentimes the results that we're frustrated about are due to our own behavior. No, it's because other people are responding to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was yeah. definitely, definitely one where I had to take a step back and say, whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what the, the, easy. <laughs> the hardest thing to realize is that this isn't, um, this isn't a dramatic epiphany where you're suddenly better. You realize that it becomes a practice that you can never stop engaging in. And that's hard. It is hard. It's work. like just because you suddenly had to realize that, oh, I'm I'm the source of drama doesn't mean you're going to stop being the source of drama. It doesn't mean you're always going to recognize that. It means that you now have the capability of staying on your toes. And, oh, my goodness, that's a hard realization. That's really hard work. Any, any self-reflection and uh, behavior change is really hard work. I mean that, that that's why we look we seek out uh, you know external advice right that, that's why well, you know a mentor I think would would help coaches right have coaches yeah exactly mentors exactly need mentors right? well exactly exactly mm -hmm. so I, I mean honest okay so like it, go going back somewhat you know to the topic at hand uh, I mean this is all relevant but uh, I'm kind of curious to to know your take on it so let's just say that you know we have a student or you know someone that's just graduated from university. Uh, how would they go around seeking a mentor or would they just kind of um, 
kind of take some some logical steps and just talking to friends networking and then doing it that way or is there like a resource they can they could approach I would I would look at if I'm not in a new role yet if I'm still in university I would take a look at some of the industry associations of my interest and really get involved in those um, industry associations will introduce you to people who are engaged and want to make the whatever the industry is better they, I, you know, people who are there have a growth mindset. They desire better, and uh, they're committing their time to do so. And so that, that's where you'll get some of the introductions. As as okay. and if you're new to a company, I would definitely chase mentorship. One of the most important things you can do is when you leave school, and I know I did. I when I left school, and I I. Um, went out looking for work. I really thought I was going to slide in at a certain spot. Cybersecurity, nobody just jumps into cybersecurity, right? Like you, there, there are a whole pile of roles that you have to do first. Um, uh, sometimes you come up through as a systems analyst or a systems technologist, or sometimes you're coming in through a different door. Um, so toe in the door, if cybersecurity is your interest, toe in the door means Find the person there that knows the most about it and see if you can approach them. Um, but do your homework first. Here are my goals. This is what I'm trying to achieve. These are the things that I'm looking to, to be able to benefit from. And I've picked you because XYZ says you're the smartest guy in the room and, and uh, hmm. I think you have a lot to offer me or whatever that looks like. Right, 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 right. right. Okay, so let, let, let's flip the table on that. Let's say someone came to me and said, hey, Moro, I want you to be a mentor. I'd be like, uh, um, okay, yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that wants to help. I would yeah. absolutely help. But I guess, you know, not really being a formal mentor, I wouldn't really know where to start. So there's some, there... there's some pretty simple structure that you can okay. put in place. Um, okay. First, you could you say, you know what, that sounds great. I want you to go down, right, go away, come back to me next week. And, and I want you to have done the following things. Number one, write your top three to five goals that you want to achieve. They're really important to me. And we'll focus on the top three, maybe not five, because things are moving at speed of light. Three might be more reasonable and realistic. Number two, I want you to define why you think a mentor can help you. What are you looking for? Help me understand that because I might not be the right person for you, but I'm in this organization and I might know who is, right? Oh, okay. And then, and then structure it. Say, okay, um, every week I want you to look at your goals and then I want you to write an agenda for that week based on what this week you need to do or know or talk about in order to get you closer to those goals. Right. Okay. And so you now are structuring it and then you define the timeline because you're the person whose time is that that they're using. So you define here are my expectations. Um, I can afford to uh, to be able to work with you weekly or monthly. And let's start with six. And then we'll talk about in our first session what measures and six sessions you want to have as a mentor mentee. And then we can go from there. After six, we'll evaluate it. Let's see if you do your stuff. Because if you're not willing to actually follow through, there is nothing worse than having a mentor that sits in front of you and says, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. And they walk away and they do nothing different, right? And that's when you evaluate it and say, listen, I, I just don't see you growing. I, I, I got to yeah. be honest with you. 
Yeah, yeah. But they want to carry on forever, you know, trying yeah. to be a mentor when they're not they're not doing their part. So you got to be brutally honest, even yeah. if it's going to hurt yeah. that person, and uh, that person might be a friend. Although, um, and, and you know what? That's a quite that's a good question. So would I ever seek out a friend as a mentor, or is that like a really bad idea? No, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's I think though that you have to draw a clear line between what is the friendship and what's not. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's some uh, emotional blackmail that can occur between friendships and and uh, when you're trying to do the mentoring or coaching, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, but you're my friend. You can't, you can't leave me hanging. You can't, you know, and yeah, then you can't treat me like that. You can't talk to me like this. You like, can't no, talk to yes, me like that. I will I talk to you like that. I trust you, you to support me on this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But and then, <laughs> then that goes back to that whole topic of what a mentor isn't. And the mentor is, yes, they're to support you, but not necessarily go along with whatever your bad habits are yeah. either, right? Well, I have so. I have some really close friends that I consider mentors. Um, okay. And, uh, they are amazing, and we've developed these friendships over the years, and um, they, they kick my butt. I mean, they have no problem telling me when I'm being an idiot. And they it doesn't hurt our friendship in any way, form, or manner. They're open no. to being able to... to but they've been honest with me about that. You know, here's what you can expect. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if anything, I also feel like it kind of reinforces uh, your genuineness too, right? It's like, okay, I'm a human. I make mistakes. Damn it. I didn't see that. I made a mistake. Okay. How am I going to fix this? Right. Cause yeah. I mean, ultimately if you're not making mistakes, that means you're perfect. In which case you don't need anybody. Right. And uh, right. That, that, that person doesn't exist. I'm sorry. There's but in organizations where really good mentorship programs work. Research says that um, the per, the mentee gets an increase in competitive pay. Um, they get more growth opportunities. Their their job security increases, um, and they then turn around and start making a difference with a purpose. And mm-hmm. when that happens in an organization, then you've really structured something cool, right? Okay. Um, but it's not going to happen if the mentee refuses to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's um, an important aspect of something you brought up earlier where you were saying, you know, it's not the mentor's job to promote you or to advocate for you. It's their job to provide you with feedback and help you grow. And there's a, there's another side of this where quote mentors seek out their proteges and what they're really doing is trying to consolidate power. Um, And you have to realize if you're trying to find a mentor, you're not there to fulfill their agenda. No. You're, you are there to grow, and this person isn't there to help you get your next promotion or to mediate disputes you're in. They are there to advise you and to give you feedback. And those are the two most valuable things that you can get. Um, they, you know, it's okay if they advocate and champion for you, but they're not your networking tool. They're not your job security. But as a mentor, you the greatest mentorship programs are when you can walk into the person who owns the program and you can say, you know what, this guy's just a jackass and I don't want him to be my mentor. And you should have the ability and the right to do that. I mean, in, in the perfect world, you would get rid of jerks anyway, right? But that isn't the world, and that's not yeah. where we live, right? So there's going to be yeah. some politics where you feel like you're getting used. And if that's the case, a good mentorship program allows you to walk in and say, you know what, um, 
John over there is a big jerk. And as a mentor, he is not helping me. He's using me or hurting me. And boom, if done, you're good, right? So um, I also want to back up a little bit to um, a few times you referenced using industry groups and professional groups for mentorship. Um, I think that some of the people in our audience who are interested in this are probably interested um, because in cybersecurity, there's really mixed results with that. And I'm going to bring up a couple things on screen. So um, if you're in Vancouver... Very recently, the Vancouver chapter of ISACA has started a mentorship program. And um, there's an online video to promote it. Um, um, they ran this from January to June. But, um, and I don't know what the current status of this is. Uh, sadly, most of our audience here in Calgary, Edmonton, Alberta, um, we don't have this going on. But I've, I'm led to believe that there's a new leader within the Calgary chapter of ISACA that is a powerhouse of engagement. And um, I feel compelled that I should follow up now that I've discovered that Vancouver's <laughs> got something we don't got. <laughs> that we need. Where are they? <laughs> um, I went to ISC Squared. So if you're in cybersecurity, there's two professional bodies that dominate, and that's ISC Squared and ISACA. And um, I didn't find anything for the local ISACA chapters, but I did find this article, which was a little unsatisfying about three ways to find a mentor um, that do resonate with some of the things that Patty has said, but don't really give concrete advice and they don't seem to have a program. In, um, in past research with professional organizations, I know that other professions seem to be far more diligent than we see in cybersecurity. So for instance, the PMI Institute has mentorship programs all over the place. Yeah, they have a wonderful leadership mentorship program that's global, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, within cybersecurity, there is She Leads Tech and that's aligned with ISACA, but it's chapter by chapter whether there is a She Leads Tech mentorship program for women in cybersecurity. Um, um, what I'm, what I'm going to put out to our audience is we're going to need to figure this out. <laughs> you know, I've always been one um, who has been with the belief that if it doesn't exist, then create it. And, it, it, you know, and, and you're going to have um, a gamut of people, right? So you're going to have people who are just getting fundamentals, right? So um, once they've done their CSX or uh, GIAC or they're working on some of their fundamental courses, that's great. They need people guiding them. I mean, these are people who are interested. They they have drive. They have interest. They're they're curious. You've got some people on the CISSP side who have been uh, doing this for years who might be able to make a really big difference. Sometimes it's just like going to Meetup.com and saying, "Hey, we want to start something. Who has interest?" and get it out there. Um, that platform reaches a, a broader group of people, and then you can begin formalizing it. And once you done a few it doesn't hurt then to introduce it to an association and say this is what was successful this is what was sucky here's how we change it this is what we would do different but 
really, um, if it doesn't exist, make it happen. Um, I think it's really <laughs> necessary right now. The convergence of all that's happening with technology right now is yeah. it's making it almost a need. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going to inject my anecdote too here. So, um, and I and I think I've I've actually said this in in previous uh, live streams. So. There is the Chinese character, right, in Japanese kanji, if you want to call it that, uh, where um, th there's a character for opportunity. What a lot of people don't know or understand is that same character actually implies risk. So there, there, there's, I think, you know, a an innate a thought process when they invented these characters in Chinese that, you know, a level of opportunity doesn't present itself without taking some risk. And, you know, it's like Patty's mentioned, you know, if it's not there, build it, right? And like, what have you got to lose? Uh, you know, even when we were pu pulling this live stream, uh, we, you know, Michael and Patty and I met last night. And, you know, uh, I think the, the the phrase came out that, you know, it's like, yeah, I just got to go and do it. It's like, just do it. Who cares? Make the mistake. Learn. Go for it. Because uh, if you don't, someone else will do it. Or, you know, maybe no one will do it. In which case, you know, that's... Uh, we all lose, right? We all yeah. lose exactly, exactly. So, uh, I mean, with that in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this up, and it's like, as a mentor, I would think that you know, uh, or at least from the perspective of you know knowing Patty, I know my life has been shaped a, a little bit by her philosophy. Is that you know, you got to take that risk. Sometimes you got to take that risk, and you know what? I think a mentor can certainly help you, you know, make those leaps and bounds where you may not have taken that risk. So again. Like I, I own a lot of my career to, you know, taking those risks. I, I remember actually going to a, um, I think it was a TechNet conference and there was something, the one thing I, I picked up from that whole conference that I've forgotten everything else about, you know, Windows 2000 desktop and how you can use GPOs or whatever. I don't even care. That wasn't even important. The last closing statement was important is that you got to take uh, risks with your career. Uh, no one ever got ahead by just sitting there doing nothing and expecting something to happen. So, you know, for those people who are watching this, uh, I truly do believe that, you know, look into getting a mentor or look at finding a mentor or, you know, if you're fortunate enough and you have that, you know, industry experience and someone comes up to you and says, hey, look, I need some advice. Extend that arm and say, hey, yeah, OK, you know, and as Patty had mentioned, you know, here are some things you can do to become a mentor, right? You know, help them with the goal setting. And in general, you're, you're helping not just yourself grow as a person. Uh, cause you can see Patty, like she, she just kicks ass. <laughs> She's very uh, talented in many facets. So, um, uh, but you know, not, not trying to embarrass you. Come on. Uh, but you know, honestly, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of benefits to being a mentor as well. Right. So, I mean, you know, you, you grow as a person, you help others. And then in that, in that, in that, in that facet, I guess, uh, you grow your network as well. So. So I'm going to jump in to your anecdote and, okay. and the one thing that you said that rings more than true, even more so than people realize is um, no one's going to do your career for you. And we have hit a point in time where there is no way your company can train you to keep up on what you need to keep up on. You need to own it. So if you if you aren't ready and willing, if you want to get into cybersecurity and you're not ready and willing to upskill, upskill and reskill on your own and make that a part of your growing life and being able to take that risk where you step outside of your comfort zone, you're not going to have a career because you're, no one will do it for you. Your company is no longer has the capacity with the complexity 
and the exponential speed of technology to be able to help you do that. That's, that's going to be you. And from here on in, if you learn nothing else from today, is you have to own who you connect with to try and get you there and own your own career because we are in a different day and age than we were in the past where companies were capable of being able to help you with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I guess with that, we're, we're going to approach our, uh, our, our time here. But uh, again, I alluded to the fact in the beginning, I didn't really mention what Patty does today. So th this, this is where I, I, I purposely wanted to leave about 10 to 15 minutes for Patty to describe what she does, because I really do think that the service she offers is quite important. Uh, there's a lot of organizations out there that I think could take advantage of, of what Patty knows and what Patty can provide for them. So with that, I'm going to uh, give the soapbox to Patty and let her kind of do her thing and, and, and talk about her company. I so feel like Patty. I've been on the soapbox all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not comfortable talking about myself all that much because my goal is to always be out there helping others. So uh, forgive me if I if I make this sound all dorky. Um, I have a couple of companies. One of them is Strategic Sense, which is focused on organizational development and organizational design with a technical and IT bent. Uh, globalsway.com, which is consulting, training, and coaching. It's almost like consulting as a service, right? So uh, if you look at it that way, it's we will zoom in. We only help where you need help, but we're not like a, um, like when you hire a contractor that sits in a cube all day. And, and so we just, we zip in, we help where you need help, and then we slip out. So it's consulting, training, coaching, digital leaders through transformation. Um, and then we have a couple of other things we're doing. Uh, I've got some industry folks who have been in the industry for years who are seasoned in IT and have some really great, if you're into remote mentoring where you want to watch a YouTuber or two, it's KTLO Learn on YouTube. We live stream every Friday. Um, and I do speaking and writing. I have a book coming out at the end of the year called Universal Leadership U for Digital Leaders. And uh, hopefully, if you want to, maybe maybe you can, we can throw some links on the YouTube thing or something. If you want to be kept up, you can sign up to the newsletter to learn more about what that when that book comes out. Um, and a little bit about me personally, I love to dance. <laughs> and I paint. Oh, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> and and you you have your own live stream project. You. As I was saying earlier before we started, you that's are right, the pro that's right. here. Even though she says she's she's more nervous than us, well, but she's the pro. I don't, I don't manage all the tools, so Roy oh, okay. does that on KTL. Oh, okay. But we've done, yeah, we're doing, I think we've done 22. We're doing 23 episodes, I think, tomorrow or 22, something like that. We're up, okay. we're up there. We're calling oh, it nice. season two. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Now, I guess uh, for those uh, organizations that don't know or might need, you know, uh, help with digital transformation, because let's face it, you know, in this day and age, I think a lot of companies are still stuck in, you know, uh, that, that old fashioned mode of, ah, it's IT, blah, blah, blah. Why do I need this tool? And, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand what digital transformation really means. So, Patty, I mean, if you don't mind, just kind of maybe a brief whatever paragraph, if you want to say, kind sure. of like, you know, what, what you can kind of help a company, you know, kind of go and move forward with. So a lot of people do digital. 
but they rarely do the transformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that's so true. That's so true. If, I'm not really fond of the world, but word word combination because it really doesn't talk about what what's really involved. But um, transformation is where you use the tool as enabler, but the people to transform the business. And uh, that means behavior change. That means organizational restructure to accommodate it. You know, we get a lot of people who are throwing the word agile out and saying, oh, we have this little group over here that does agile. Well, if they're over there, you're not agile. There, There is a, uh, a, uh, a need for organizations to recognize and understand that decision-making rights will change, that structure needs to change to accommodate um, large enterprise tools that are changing how you do your business, whether it's um, that you're retooling your manufacturing plant or whether it means that you're actually uh, with robotics or whether it means you're doing um, safe service management and service management has plugins to HR, to facilities, to all of these different areas. If you really want to transform your business, there's a whole lot more that you have to do than asking the IT team to put in a digital tool because the tool can't get you there. So we come in and we help with uh, a number of different areas, whether it's coaching the leader to sponsor it properly so that they have the ability to understand the effort involved because that's a big gap. And oh, say, yeah. oh, we need it by this time. And there's all these people <laughs> down you know, in the front lines who are scrambling like crazy, tearing their hair out, trying to make it happen and it's not possible. And then it fails because they don't have the right understanding of how, how the sponsorship needs to look at involvement. Um, then we look at organizational structure. Does the structure actually support the ability to use the tool effectively and return, get the return on your investment? So uh, yeah, so we'll swoop in and we do a big discovery and we'll, we'll take a look at everything and we'll look at your goals and look at the strategy. We might do some design thinking with you to get you to better understand how to get to that strategy and, and the different iterative pieces you're going to need to look at and when you should possibly be looking at those and how to kick it off and have fun that's awesome that's awesome and so if i've got this right and sorry for the delay and bringing this up this is strategic scent the uh the digital transformation company you've got yeah and then there's global sway your um, coaching company right digital leadership and that's that's, this is all you? mostly on leadership okay and then ktllearn.com this is where you've got your live streams and ktllearn.com where you've got the the other site. Um, you are a powerhouse, Patty, a powerhouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I guess with that, right, uh, we're, we're, we're coming up here on our uh, time limit, I think. Um, so I guess uh, just to start wrapping it up, I uh, want to say thanks to everyone that's watching this and is going to watch it. Appreciate, you know, you guys, uh, you know, hitting that subscribe button, hitting the like button if you found this video useful. I want to thank my guest and my friend, Patty. Uh, and I'm going to shout out, I'm going to shout out to uh, Burhan because the reason why I even remotely reached out to Patty was the fact that I hadn't seen her in like over 10 years. And if you remember that live stream uh, with Burhan, Burhan, you know, says like he goes through this LinkedIn to purposely reach out and touch everybody that, you know, he hasn't, you know, seen in a while. So he really, he kind of inspired me. Like, you know, I've been thinking about reaching out to Patty for a while just to, just to make sure she's doing okay in, in, in these weird times. But then at the same time, it was kind of like, well, we need a guest for mentorship. And we really wanted a strong guest. And then I was like, you know, Patty's perfect. <laughs> that's what she does. She mentors executives. So that's like even a higher level of mentorship, if you ask me. 
So um, yeah, no, th thank you, Patty. And it's it, again, thank super you. great to have uh, touched base with you again. And, you know, I, I promise I will stay in touch and uh, we will eventually uh, see each other and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, we'll grab a pint and, uh, you know, shoot the breeze, so to speak. So thank well, you again, Patty. So honored that you uh, asked me to join you today, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and looking forward to seeing you in person. Likewise, when in person becomes a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, Patty, um, stick around after the credits run. We'll just thank you in person. But before we take you off the screen, any last parting shot or advice for the audience? I think I, I I think I threw it out there in that you're in charge of your your career. That is the one that that really pay attention to it because uh, you have so much more opportunity than sometimes you give yourself credit to to recognize. Yeah, that's right. You got to own your life. You got to own your career, and then uh, you know at the same time, if you can get a mentor to help you structure that, all right, you're on the right track. Moro. Your last word of wisdom. Uh, my voice is my passport. Verify me. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Wrong live stream. We'll see you're, you folks. You're out of context. Ladies and gentlemen, I have no advice. I just want you to go and look at our show notes because all of our wisdom is recorded here for you to enjoy after the show. Thank you and uh, join us next week.